We've tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an offseason this year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome in to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Coming to you live from Slim and Chubby's in Strongsville. Brought to you, of course, tonight by Bud Light. Cade York in the house with us here. So come on out and see us at Slim and Chubby's. We've got a great crowd turned out after the Browns took care of business. Just one week ago today, Gerard, 29-17 to over the Steelers. They now sit... At two and one. And before we get on to the Falcons, which we will do a lot tonight, is of course I'm joined as always by the three time, three time, three time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Cherry. Gerard, what an atmosphere. You were down there on the sidelines for that Thursday night game. Incredible, incredible atmosphere at First Energy Stadium. And the Browns got a much needed win, 29 17. What sticks out to you still a week later about that game? Uh, just the level of physical play in the second half, Nathan. I was so impressed by our defense in particular, how they took control of the football game. Early on in the first half, it was back and forth, back and forth. We would score, Pittsburgh would score. Then the next thing you know, even with injuries on the football team, on the defensive side in particular, what did we see? What did we find? We saw young guys like Jacob Phillips making plays, getting key sacks, and do the things necessary to get those three-and-out scenarios. Because when you get three-and-out, you put Jacoby Brissett and that offense back on the football field, good things have been occurring. Yeah, Jacoby Brissett was great in that one, 21-31, 220 yards, two touchdowns, quarterback rating in the game of 109.6. Nick Chubb, 113 yards and a touchdown. He is your NFL rushing leader after three games, off to a tremendous start this season. I bet Nick Chubb's excited to see the Falcons last time he faced them. In 2018, he ripped off a 92-yard touchdown run, which was the longest and still is in Cleveland Browns history. But I want to talk to you for a second about our pass catchers. Amari Cooper, 7 for 101 and a touchdown. First back-to-back 100-yard games for a Browns receiver since Josh Gordon in 2013. And then the Chief, career high, 9 catches, 89 yards and a touchdown. Those two guys accounted for 190 yards out of Jacoby Brissett's 220 and both touchdowns in that game. They stepped up big. Oh, they certainly did. And if you go back to Mario Cooper, think about it, Nathan. Week one, if he and Jacoby connects, he probably has three weeks in a row where he's over 100 yards for receiving. But the thing that you love about Amari is the fact that he brings this level of excellence to how he plays. It's so impressive what he's doing at the line of scrimmage, what he's doing down the football field in his route running. He is a pro's pro, and we are so fortunate to have him in our receiver room because what he's doing is tremendous. I mean, I watch it from the sideline vantage point, and I'm seeing DBs simply frustrated because they have no answer for him. You try to bump and run him. He's too strong for you. He's too just flat-out 
physical, and they can't yep. handle that. Then you go down the football field, he's very elusive with what he wants to do. You think he's running inside, but he's going outside. You think he's going outside, but he's going inside. So I've been extremely impressed with what I've seen out of Amari Cooper. And then you talk about the Chief and what he represents. Finally get an opportunity to do what? Get involved in the passing yeah. game. He's been blocking his butt off of late. Yep. But he finally got involved in the passing game, and he showed that when I get the attempts, when I get the opportunities, I can make plays and be a vital part of this offensive passing attack. Yeah, no doubt, and he certainly was. As we said, that was a career high for him. And you think about the fact that through three games, the Chief and Amari Cooper have combined for 32 catches, 347 yards, three touchdowns. Everybody else, 29 catches, 249 yards, and one touchdown. So you need those guys. By the way, if Amari hits 100 yards this week, it'll be the first time in his career that he's at three straight with 100 yards. And it's certainly possible yes. against this Atlanta Falcons team. Before we talk about the Falcons, who I think are kind of a fun football team, to be honest uh-huh. with you, what's kind of stood out to you about this team? What's kind of your state of the Browns through three games? What have you liked? What needs to improve for this team to kind of make a run and be a team of consequence here in 2022? By the way, what a line we have right now for Cade York and Slim and Chubbies. What a turnout tonight. This is awesome. Yes, it is. It certainly is. And what I like is really simple. What we were concerned about, what we kept questioning, yeah. saying was it going to be a situation, an issue, what I'm seeing out of Jacoby Brissett. Week one, there were some questions. Week two, he answered questions. Week three, he started to put an exclamation point on how well he's playing at the quarterback position. And one in which we're saying this is definitely a strength of ours to where first yeah. the narrative was, okay, when we go against the Herberts, when we go against the Bradys, when we go against the Allens, we don't stand a chance. But I don't feel that way anymore, Nathan, based upon what I've seen. Because the way in which he's operating Kevin Stefanski's offense, he's one of the top quarterbacks in the land right now. He most certainly is. Jacoby Brissett, after, through the three games right now, career best in completion percentage, yards uh-huh. per game, and rating. He's top ten in the NFL in completion percentage, fewest interceptions, second fewest with only one, sacks fourth, four, only fifth fewest, and quarterback rating 94.3, which is tenth. So highly efficient. He's been great. The ground game has been great as well defensively now we go into a game this week with a ton of questions and we'll talk about that in a second but just big picture what does this defense need to do better here from because it's we've seen glimpses in these first three games of excellent play and i thought there was a great stretch in that second half that you mentioned earlier against pittsburgh but overall what do you need from this defense to be the team we thought they could be well, first and foremost, the communication has to be there. Yep. You have to have that. Even last week, there were a couple of instances where it's like, okay, are we communicating, guys? There were no blown coverages, but there were some instances where you're saying, communicate. Let's get the verbiage out. Let's make sure we're on the same page. If I'm running cover two, you're running cover two. And if I give you an assignment, you check back with me to make sure that we're on the same page. So for me, the defensively speaking, really a big concern issue right now is getting through this stretch right now where we're not healthy. Because yep. you don't have Clowney on the football field. You don't have Miles Garrett potentially on the football field. And what that entails is how are we going to get to the quarterback? Are we going to rely now on pressure? Because Lord knows last week it worked. And you mentioned this Atlanta Falcons team. They are a fun team. And you see that record of one and two. Don't let that mislead you. You're aware of it. They have some talent on that squad. Yeah, they certainly do on the offensive side of the ball. So quick updates, obviously, on the on the injury front. Good news is Denzel Ward and JOK returned to practice today, at least in a limited role, so they should be good to go, barring any setbacks for Sunday in Atlanta. The bad news now. First and foremost, Anthony Walker Jr., your captain, your communicator, the one with the green dot on his helmet. He is out for the season right now, or on injured reserve anyway. Obviously, always has a chance to come back with that ruptured tendon in his quad. 
Jacob Phillips steps up as he did last week. Seven tackles to lead the team. A big sack, a big pass breakup. But he's going to have to be that Mike linebacker. Now, right. Walker was playing elite football yes, he was. for the Cleveland Browns. Then we get to Miles Garrett. And obviously, we all know now by this point, he was involved in a single-car accident earlier this week. When you see the pictures, your first thoughts are, man, I feel we're very fortunate that Miles Garrett is still alive. Right. And Miles Garrett is lucky to be alive. And so, first and foremost, that's the good news. He is okay, and thank goodness for that. From a football standpoint, there's a big difference between walking away from a car accident and being okay as like a normal human and then going and playing football in the NFL. I don't know when we will see him back. I would be shocked if it was this week, although the possibility certainly still exists. But if you don't have Miles, Jadevian Clowney has not practiced all week. Right. Ankle injury. Taven Bryan right. is out as well with a hamstring injury. Now, he hasn't been ruled out, but the, the arrows are pointing in that direction. You could be without three of your starting four defensive linemen, including the only two defensive linemen you have who have been pro bowlers in their career. Miles, we know, first-team all-pro. They are the pass rush. Your pass rushers right now, Miles, Clowney, and Bryan are one, two, three, and pressures generated. Right. This would be very difficult Against anybody. Right. Now we're going to talk about why it's going to be difficult against Falcons, but just start there. How do you – you can't make up for it, but you've got to find a way. This is an important football game to win Extremely. and try to get healthy before the Chargers come to town in week five. Extremely. And just from a morale standpoint, any time you lose, it's going to stick with you. And going into the season, obviously, this was one of those games where you look at a schedule and you play the schedule game and you say, oh, we got that one. Obviously, you don't know what's going to take place from an injury standpoint, but you bring up an excellent point. You're going to have to get the job done. Now, the question becomes, do you get the job done based on a four-man rush? Probably not. But do you get the job done via blitzing zone dogs? You're probably saying, what's a zone dog? Well, a zone dog is when you blitz, but you're playing zone coverage behind in the secondary. So that might be an option as well. So I look for us to be very aggressive with that. But at the same time, Nathan, the problem poses is this. You have in Mariota that if you miss him, on the blitz, he has what? Scrambling capability. So that becomes problematic for you, too. So Joe Woods has a heck of a decision to make how he's going to apply pressure. But you cannot let any quarterback in the National Football League just sit back there and be comfortable. So you're going to have to put some type of stress on him. Now, the hope is is that Winfrey, that Thomas, that Alex Wright, Alex Wright Rochelle. And, and Rochelle, yeah. as well as Elliott, can get the job done. And if they do... I'll be applauding, I'll be clapping, sure. and I'll be lauding them left and right. But if they can't, you're going to have to rely on the blitz. And this is where that secondary comes in. We have guys that can cover. So the onus will be on the secondary. Do your job like you've never done before. Let's play some man coverage. Let's play some zero coverage because that tells you what we're going to blitz to get the job done. So that's what I, that's what I anticipate is going to take place. But who knows what Joe Woods is thinking. Well, and by the way, that's the only part of your defense that's healthy is your secondary right right now with Denzel back at practice. Look, the Falcons are not great on defense. They're not, flat out. They're in the bottom of the league in every single category on defense. They have not been good. they got nine new starters on that side of the ball. But they are good on offense. Right now, they are one of two teams, the Browns being the other, who have scored 26 or more points in every single game. They have the number five rushing attack. Cordero Patterson is the number three rusher in the NFL right now with 302 yards. He's first at 6.2 yards a carry. Now, he hasn't practiced the last two days. We talked with D. Orlando Ledbetter on CBD. Uh They do think that they will have him, but he has been phenomenal. And then you look at what Marcus Mariota has out wide. Mm -hmm. Drake London, 6'4", 219, the rookie, the first receiver taken in this year's draft, eighth overall. He's got two touchdowns in each. He's got a touchdown each of the last two games. Kyle Pitts, 6'6", 247, tight end slash receiver. Mm -hmm. They've never lost when he's had 80 yards receiving the game. He had 87 last week. 
Last year he had over 1,000 yards as a rookie tight end and averaged 15.1 yards a catch. So they can score the football. They can move the football. Mario, to your point, 96 rushing, two touchdowns on the ground. He scored on the ground last week. So they're a dangerous team that can run it, that can pass it. They use play action more than anybody in the NFL. And they're kind of fun to watch. Right, they are. And you mentioned play action. And why is that so pivotal and key? It's because of what Cordell, Cordell, Cordell Patterson is doing in that, if he's going downhill, and i got to give him credit, Nathan, for a guy who wears number 84, used to be a receiver. Grant, he also returned kicks. Yeah. He plays running back and hits holes like he's running on a kickoff. And that's probably one of the reasons why he's having so much success because it's not about dodging around the backfield. It's straight ahead. It's a physical approach. And this is one of the things that concerns me about our squad in that in the linebacker position, we're undersized. Cordell will be probably bigger than any linebacker we have. 6'2", 230. And, uh, exactly. So he's likely bigger than anyone we have from a linebacker standpoint on the football field. So I look for them to be ultra-physical and bring that element of the game towards us to see how we handle it. But, yes, if we stop him, we shut down the run, then that shuts down everything that they really want to do because, as you just alluded to, so much of it is based upon the idea of play-action pass and what that represents. So if you can't get the play-action pass going because you're shutting down the run, then that's going to put a lot of – Emphasis on Mariota just being a drop-back passer, and we know he's not that great at that. He's not great at They run play action on 47% of their pass attempts. That's the most in the NFL. Second is the Ravens at 41%. 47%. Right. And I'd have That's to imagine number. at some point that has to help the run game because half of the time they're f- fake it. They're actually throwing right. the football. Exactly. You have to honor it as a defensive player and say, okay, they're about even with this, so I have to assume that it's going to be a run when they show the option, the action of a run. It's a wild thing, yeah, but you're right. His efficiency goes way down when he doesn't have the benefit of play action. But it's a Falcons team. They are frisky. They play tight games, and they certainly can score. It could be a track meet down there in Atlanta. Be a part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in future seasons. So don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. When we come back, here we are at Slim and Chubby's. We're going to hear from the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. Coming up next, this is the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. This is Browns cornerback Denzel Ward. This is Browns wide receiver Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is Joel Batonio, and you're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. Coming to you live tonight from Slim and Chubby's, it is the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Time now to talk with the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, your 2-1 Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. Coach, how was kind of the weekend off and getting back into work and the guys getting that extra day on Monday to get ready here for the Falcons? Yeah, that Thursday night game is so unique because it's such a short week and it's really hard on the players. I, I can't tell you it's hard on the coaches. We, you know, you're just in the office getting work done, maybe at a faster clip. But that's hard on those players to make it to Thursday. So I always just marvel how they're able to do that. And it's such a short week, and then it becomes a long day on Thursday where you're just waiting for kickoff, and it's a late, late game. So uh, proud of how the guys handled that week. And then the the benefit of that short week is you do get some time off. And for the players, they need to go recharge the battery mentally, physically. And, and certainly as coaches, we work ahead, uh, but also use that time to also recharge. Yeah, you got a little recharge. Your boys were in town over the weekend. They're undefeated. We maybe need to see them a little bit more often. Yeah, I don't know about that. 
happy that they're <laughs> undefeated, but I think one, once a year is good enough. <laughs> All right. You turn the page, you get ready for the Atlanta Falcons. This is a team coming off of its first win against Seattle, and they're frisky. And i got to tell you something, they're fun to watch. I enjoy watching their offense. I know that you know they. it feels like, to my uneducated eyes, some of the same concepts that we run in that offense. They're not afraid to have a fullback. They'll have two tight ends, three tight ends. What do you like about this offense and, and Arthur Smith's vision for it? Yeah, you know, I know Coach Smith going back a few years. We both were tight end coaches uh, there for a while, uh, so kind of uh, talked a lot uh, in the offseason, those type of things. Uh, we do share similarities in, in the DNA in, in both offenses. Uh, they're operating at a very high level, and I think what they're doing is they're really marrying the run and the pass. Uh, and just talking about this, the players that they have, they have big, physical, good football players. Uh, I know Cordero, he, he runs so hard. He's a great football player. And two young players, a, a first and second year guys that are can make plays on the ball, are very dangerous with the ball in their hands. And then the unique part is what they're able to do with the quarterback. And I think Marcus Mariota has played a lot of football in this league, can hurt you in a multitude of ways can win from the pocket, can win from the perimeter on design keepers and just the ability to extend plays. All right. Cordell Patterson, you were with him in Minnesota. Four-time Pro Bowler, four-time first-team All-Pro as a returner, was a first-round pick. He's on the Hall of Fame all-decade team for the 2010s. If I would have told you that at the age of 31, he would now be a running back who's averaging 100 yards a game, already has 220-yard rushing games. Would you have even believed that? And, and what does that say about him that he's able to do this? Well, it's certainly a credit to him. Any player that can get that many years in this league is a credit to the player. Uh, having said that, we handed him the ball quite a bit back in those days. Uh, coming off of Percy Harvin, we kind of sure. had a Percy plan, if you will. And we put the young kid from Tennessee in there to, to execute a bunch of those, and he was great at it. Did I see him becoming a full-time running back? No, of course not. Uh, but I'm not surprised knowing the person he is, uh, number one. But number two, he's just such a big physical football player. He runs so hard. Uh, so it's impressive to watch. He's 6'2", 230 as a running back. And last week, jumping over guys in Seattle. I mean, it's it's kind of wild to see this, and people are not supposed to become running backs in their 30s in this league, and yet here he is doing it, as you said, a testament to him. Now, you mentioned size. You, you talked about Drake London. You talk about Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts got involved last week. They're undefeated when he has 80 yards receiving. And then Drake London, you know, it feels like those are guys that anytime it's one-on-one, it's go ahead, throw it up, and, and see what they can do. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the – Number one, the versatility that Kyle Pitts gives where he can really line up all over. Uh, and then you mentioned the size on, on both those guys. With with size players, in theory, they're never covered because they feel like they can go up and get the football. Uh, so we have our work cut out for us. We have to use our physicality. We have to use our size uh, against them. Uh, but there's going to be some moments in the game where it's those 50-50 balls, and, and we got to do our best to come down with it. You mentioned you have a relationship going back with, with Arthur Smith, and you guys talk a lot in the offseason. When you get to, like, this game – how does that – no talk, right? Yeah, you know, it happens so often in this league where you're going up against a friend uh, of yours and pe- maybe sometimes people that you have worked with. So uh, it's it's not uncompon- uncommon. It seems to happen every single week. But once you get into those these weeks, the text messages uh, dry up uh, and you just make sure you say hi to each other before the game. As guys in a similar position, I'd imagine you'd share thoughts. Hey, this worked for us, this worked for us. So do you feel like you both have a little bit of insight into the way your minds work as offensive designers and play callers? Yeah, I think we, we de- you know you do talk about certain things and how you're going to handle certain things. But I think 
I can see very clearly what his vision for their offense is. I, I can see exactly what he's trying to do. I can see exactly how he's trying to utilize his personnel. And I think you see an evolution of what he's trying to do based on the players. And, and I think any coach worth his salt, and I think Arthur's outstanding, I think that's what they do. They, they He's going to evolve and adjust based on the players he has. So they've put up the Browns and the Falcons, the only teams in the league that have scored 26 points in all three games so far this year. They've put up a lot, and yet they've given the ball away seven times, at least twice in every single game. Is this a game where it's important for your defense to be ball-seeking and to go take that football away? I mean, it's important every week. You talk about it every week, and we do. Uh, We talk about it to the team every week how important it is. It's really the the best stat there is when you're talking about wins and losses. Uh, They're minus two. We're plus one. Uh, obviously, it's very important that we take care of the rock when we're on offense or the return game, whatever you will. And then when we don't have the ball, our, our mentality is we, we want to go get that ball. All right, let's flip it around to their defense. Dean Pease coordinating that defense, somebody very familiar, obviously, to people in Ohio and, of course, the Browns with his time with the Ravens. Uh, just watching them feels like he likes to have a linebackers up there. He's got people standing up, walking around, kind of that amoeba defense you used to see back in the day under Rex Ryan. What challenges does that defense present to an offense. Yeah, it's it's a really good attack as you would expect with coach P's on first and second down. It's you really can get everything. You can get every front, you can get multitude of coverages, you can get disguise. On third down, they really try to disrupt you. They try to disguise what they're trying to do up front. Like you mentioned, they'll have guys walk around and they can put their defensive tackles at any position. They can put the nickel at any position. So really trying to confuse the offense. So in a lot of ways it becomes a rules game, and, and you stick to your rules and, and make sure that the quarterback uh, has plays that he's comfortable with and can get the ball out of his hand. But they do a nice job of, of uh, alternating their defense really from first, second, and third down. It's like eight or nine new starters on the defense from a year ago, so not a ton of tape on this incarnation of this Falcons defense. What do you study? What have you seen? And then obviously the stalwarts up front, Grady Jarrett. And on the back end, A.J. Terrell, who was great last year, off to a little bit of a slower start this year. Yeah, I think it's a really good defense. I think for us, you got three games of, of to study, three games in our cut-up, so you get to see some of the adjustments that they've made from last year, and there have been some. Uh, schematically, and then you do. You have new players, so you try to study their new players, understand uh, who they are. I think they have two really good safeties. Uh, Casey Hayward's a good player opposite yep. Terrell. So it's it's speed on the field. It's talented football players. Uh, at the end of the day, though, it often as it oftentimes does, it comes back to us and, and how we handle uh, what they do. All right. Speaking of us, how have we looked so far this week? And, then, and give us an update, if you can, on the health status of some of our guys yeah so far had a couple good practices this week health wise i think it's what we try to do is take things day by day sometimes hour to hour see how guys are coming off of injuries and then see how they look in practice and make decisions later on in the week do you feel good that you know on your defensive line for example as we sit here today we don't know if three of the guys that have been starting for you all year will be able to go. How have the guys behind them on the exterior and on the interior looked to you so far this week? Yeah, I think that's the NFL. It's you got to understand that uh, at week to week, guys are going to be unavailable. Uh, and that's why it's so important that our young players or our backups pay attention in meetings, get great reps, get mental reps, because you just never know when that opportunity is coming. You don't. And that's uh, we've seen it throughout this league over and over. There's times where guys wake up sick on a Sunday and, and you didn't think you were playing, and guess what? You are, and you're playing a huge role. So part of that is just making sure that you are always ready. So you you know, the old stay ready so you don't have to get ready. All right. We'll end on a fun one. I'm not going to divulge unless you want to where I ran into you. 
but what is your go-to pizza? When you sit down and you say, this is, this is the pizza that I want, what do you get? Locally? Locally, just... If you want to give away the place locally, I'm saying more just what's the, what are the toppings? What is the Kevin's well, pizza? Well, we'll give a plug to our, our place there, uh, El Rion. I think it's the best pizza in the city. Yeah. That was my first experience. Yeah, I would uh, hat tip to PJB, Peter John Baptiste, uh, put me on that one. Uh, great yeah. place, unbelievable food, so uh, everybody head over there and get a pie. What do you order, though? What's your pie? Yeah, whatever they put in front of me. Really? It's, it's all good. It is all good. Yeah. I'm a pepperoni mushroom, and then lately I've been a little so siege, not going to hurt anybody. Let's throw that on there as well. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck on Sunday against the Falcons. Great. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show live from Slim and Chubby's here on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. All right, welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show. We are live at Slim and Chubby's in Strongsville. Great turnout tonight. People still in line to see Browns rookie kicker Cade York, and he'll be joining the show in just a little bit. Nathan and Gerard with you, and we're going to go around the league. But before we do that, I want to go back one thing real quickly, Gerard, about this about this Atlanta Falcons offense. We talked about how well Cordero Patterson's run the ball. Drake London, the big jump ball receiver, he's been over 50 yards every game. They got Kyle Pitts. So we were talking, number one play action team in the league. They're also the number one pistol team in the league and the number one 12 personnel team in the league. Let's start with the pistol. What does what challenges does the pistol formation present to a defense, and why do teams like the Atlanta Falcons and the other team we see the pistol a lot with are the Baltimore Ravens? Why do they like that formation for their quarterback? Well, it's really simple. You have a quarterback in both instances that can run with the football extremely well, and it's something with the extra layer that requires the defense to prepare for it in the course of the week. And on top of that, you're not used to having run option fits in the NFL. So now you have to dedicate time to that. And some guys don't figure it out that quickly, especially if they come from a situation where they haven't truly played an option since college in some cases. And you could do options and read options out of the shotgun, but it's more clearly defined as part of the challenge with the pistol that they can go because the back's behind the quarterback. They can, you can exactly. run it either way. It's not a guaranteed inside zone across the formation. Exactly. So that gives you more to read. And, and when you're dealing with that type of a multiple options, you really have to have your run fits down because one little mistake, next thing you know, what should be for two or three yards ends up being 7, 10, 15, 20 yards, depending on who's running the football. So that adds that extra layer of difficulty. That's why teams who have these quarterbacks that can run install it because it leaves you in a state of guessing. If Lamar Jackson has it, if Mariota has it, you said, okay, sure. are they going to pitch it? But you know, as I know, those two guys are dangerous runners with the football in their hands. So you like the idea of that extra, as we like to call it, wrinkle of putting a piston into the game plan for an offense. So when you look at that, and they're in the they're uh, in twelve personnel, uh-huh. by the way, thirty one percent of the time, second most in the league. The Browns thirty percent, third most. So in some ways, a mirror image there. What are they trying to get out of that twelve personnel? Because what's interesting about their twelve personnel is they don't throw it to that second tight end at uh-huh. all. They basically make Pitts a receiver, right. and the second tight end becomes kind of a blocker, right? And that's essentially what you put twelve personnel on. You hope the idea is that okay, the defense is going to match this with their only their own form of heavy. Yep. 
And if you do that, what does that mean, Nathan? That means you have guys who are more than likely not the best at covering. That's not their job description. More so at tackling. So what do you do? You hope to get a mismatch with Pitts. He is a mismatch. That's already right. to begin with. Yep. But even more so if you throw a linebacker on from a formation standpoint, and the fact that you have Cordell Patterson running downhill, you can find a situation where a Taki Taki, J-O-K, Phillips could be one-on-one with Pitts, and that's ultimately what they're hoping for, and that is your adjustment. But the beautiful thing that we have going for us is that we have safeties that have size, and we have safeties that can do those run fits, and they can cover down these guys where you're more comfortable with them in that matchup as opposed to saying putting Taki Taki Phillips or JOK in that situation. This feels like it's got to be a big Ronnie Harrison game because he's got to play kind of that dimebacker for Certainly. you. And at 6-3, he's a guy who has the size to deal with pitch right. and the speed to run with him. And what they're going to try to do, going go back again, going back to 12 personnel, so it's going to be a running formation. Yep. And, okay, now how are your run fits? Are you getting pushed around by the tight end? Are you fitting off the guard who's going to come free to block you? Who knows? But the whole point is it's supposed to create a mismatch situation. So it's going to be a very, very challenging game plan. You have Now you have to deal with the option yep. from a pistol standpoint and go through your old reads for that. And, and granted, think about it. We've had some issues with communication. When you're playing against an option offense, you have to be in the right run fits. You have to do your job and your, your assignment. Because if you're in the wrong gap, if you play the wrong force responsibility, nightmare of a situation yeah and hopefully the browns have a lot of experience preparing for lamar jackson a couple times a, week, right. a year so they've had four of those games while they've had joe woods here and hopefully that helps against this falcons team on sunday all right let's go around the league gerard taking a look at the week four slate some very good games out there but what is your favorite game that is not browns falcons this week i'm looking forward to tonight's game with the Bengals and the Dolphins, and the reason why I say that is so much controversy has been about Tua, is he for real, after three games of them being 3-0, and and then on the flip side of that, the Bengals, are they back on track? Is Joe Burrow back to being the man we think he can capably be as what he showed last season with his ability with those weapons to just orchestrate up and down the football field, except against the Browns, and so I'm really, really interested in that game, and just on a side note, you only asked me for one, i got to give you one more too, that Tampa Bay Against the Chiefs, that's going to be be an interesting game as well. Yeah, that's Sunday night football. And then I'll give another one with some AFC North implications. The Bills at the Ravens. That is a barn burn. There's some real good games this week. That'll be fun to see. All right, take us inside the locker room here. So far, all the Bills players have absolutely loved it. I'll tell you what, I loved it too. Uh Uh-huh. What would you think? Is it... What do you think the player reaction should be? What would your reaction have been if you saw a coach respond to a, a... a lack of success, we'll call it, the way that Ken Dorsey, the offensive coordinator of the Bills, did at the end of that game. I'm going to appreciate it. I'm going to love it. Passion. I'm going to respect it as opposed to, oh, guys, we just lost. No, get that out of here. You want a guy who's passionate, fired up, and ready to get the job done, and he should bring that level of decorum, if you will, to his to your locker room and that attitude of, nah, man, we're not here to play around and lose game, especially when a guy does a me guy deal. That last play, go out of bounds. How hard is it for you to go out of bounds and give your team one more shot? But, no, he wants to be hero man and play hero ball. And, yes, Dorsey was rightfully upset about it. I loved it. I loved it, too. I thought it was great. I think there should be more. That's real, relatable passion. Right. And too often, I think people are programmed to be robots okay, in the NFL. It's all right. So it's right, we right. lost. You know, no, we lost. That, man. Throw a table it. two over. Yeah, let's go. Get fired up. I loved it. All right, bigger surprise to you, the Jags at 2-1 and one or the Raiders at 0-3? I'm going to have to say the Jags at 2-1. and one. And the reason why I say that is that they were awful last year. They were the worst team in football, in my opinion, last year. And right now, considering how they're playing, and, the, and, and give Peterson credit. 
Of you, course. You have to. And Trevor as well for stepping up in that marriage. It looks like it's going to work out. With the Raiders, it doesn't surprise me because, again, 0-3 and how they've lost, you can see where they could have easily be 2-1 and as opposed to blowing games like the Cardinal game, for example. You let them back in that game. And with the Jacksonville Jaguars, though, team who they – when they teams there they've beaten, I didn't see that. I didn't foresee that. I really didn't. Certainly not going into the L.A. and just putting right. a whooping on the Chargers. Chargers However, right. they had the worst coach in the history of the NFL last year. This is the year anniversary. And no one will argue with you on him that. Him going to Cincinnati and then not going home with his team, which is still one of the craziest things that's happened. And then he said, I will one-up you as the season progressed. He's out of there. They've turned it around. But the Raiders, you, this is a team that went to the playoffs last right. year that added Devontae Adams right. to Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, mm-hmm. that added Chandler Jones to Max Crosby. Right. They, there's no way they Looks should be winless. Yeah, there's no way they yeah. should be winless. That is a big shock to me. The sports world is full of myths, but maybe the biggest one is the sure thing, that bet that just can't lose. The truth is, though, no matter how confident you are about an outcome, nothing is given. Want to hear more myths like this one? Go to Keep It Fun Ohio. When we come back at Slim and Chubby's, we will be joined live by Browns kicker Cade York. You're listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. This is Browns kicker Cade York. This is Browns quarterback Jacoby Brissett. This is John Johnson, and you are listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. University Hospitals is your hometown medical team and official health care provider of the Cleveland Browns. All right, welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. When the Browns come back to face the Chargers in week five, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on game days with express access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate. Plus, each game you use your express access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win Browns autograph merchandise. Go to the ticket tab, the tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. Nathan's Garage, Gerard Jerry live at Slim and Chubby's in Strongsville, presented by Bud Light tonight. And oh boy, we've got a special guest. Very happy to be joined by the Browns kicker. He six of six on field goals this year. Cade York and Cade, welcome to the program. How was your first? Kevin Stefanski show remote. You had a big line, a big turnout, a bunch of Cade York jerseys. People are excited. How was that, man? I mean, it was great. Um, wasn't exactly sure what I was going to ex- expect walking in here, but it was <laughs> big old crowds. So it was nice to see all y'all. Would you say, and, and Gerard, you've been a part of this. Gibbe, you've been a part of this. Well, this was like a, for sure a top five line in, I'm talking a decade yes. that I've been doing this. So the people love Cade York. I love to see it. You love to see it. What do you think, by the way, of the throwback jersey? That one guy had that was a pretty sweet oh, that looking. Was sweet, yeah. yeah, it's a little before my time, but <laughs> you're gonna have one of those <laughs> if, it, if it's in the closet this year. No, we'll I see mean, if you guys bust it out. Yeah. yeah, at LSU we only wore one thing, so it's kind of cool to do some different stuff. That certainly is. And K, far as on the football field, the transition from college to the pro game, what have you noticed as a difference between the two for you? To be honest. The kicking game hasn't changed much. Mm-hmm. The only thing really is changes is a little bit of the field. The hashes are a little narrower, so that honestly is easier. And then football is a little different. Um, it goes a little bit further, but you miss hit it a little easier. But other than that, it's same game. Why is that? Why is it easier to? Why does it go further? Why is it easier to miss hit a little? Just bit? the way it's made. Like a college ball is a little skinnier on the bottom, so you can like basically hit it on more parts of your foot and it'd be you fine get under nfl it. you kind of can catch the side of it a little bit just technical kicker stuff yeah. <laughs> now a week ago there was a squad a team i don't remember exactly but they had a 
they had a guy who was filling in as a long snapper. Uh-huh. And he hiked the ball, and the holder was not able to get it on the right side. Explain to us why it is so important to make sure that you have the right ball placement, that you're laces not actually out. kicking the laces. So you're talking about the Bengals game. And uh-huh. I'm actually decent buddies with um, Evan, the kicker there. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, first of all, having a new long snapper and it's sw- switching up the whole situation, that can really throw off, like, most, not even, like, the bad snap or a better hold. It's really just the timing of things because kicking is, like, all about just, like, flow and timing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that can really throw you off. And then for the laces, um, like, everyone kind of has different preferences on, like, how they have the ball lean forward, backwards, left or right. Um, the biggest thing with the laces is, yes, it can, if you square up on the laces, it can make the ball go all crazy. Mm-hmm. But really what happened in that game is you see the laces and it can kind of just freak you out sometimes and uh-huh. you change your kick, and that's what happened with him, which is it sucks because it was a bad situation to be in. And he obviously he had a 59-yard field goal to start that game, and then, of course, the snapper got hurt. Um, so that sucks for him that game. And it they're obviously bounced back and done well since then, but. And I always wanted this amongst the kickers and the punters because I see quarterbacks do it. Now, when I play, I would ignore my teammates even from college or somebody I play with. I wouldn't talk to anyone because I was just that intense yeah. and serious about it. It seems like you guys have this fraternity, fraternity, though, yeah. with the kickers that you guys meet before the game, talk. Do you even give each other advice or you kind of keep that to yourself? Um, I mean, in college I would because at the end of college I was more of a seasoned veteran in college. Now it's more <laughs> like, hey, can you give me help now? But no, um. I wouldn't say as much of like advice and stuff like that. Sometimes they'll ask about the stadium and if mm-hmm. they, if like if it's your home stadium, if you know anything that could help them out, stuff like that. And I never hope for someone else to miss. I right. hope that they kick all field goals and we just score all touchdowns so we win. But um, yeah, there's a pretty good fraternity. Like especially like you just know people through time. And like some of the guys in the NFL now are like like Will Lutz in this with the Saints. He played for my special teams coordinator at LSU when mm-hmm. he was at the Saints. Um, so you just kind of meet people and you go to the similar camps and stuff like that and get to know everybody. Cool. What's this experience like for you? Three weeks in, you've had high the highest of highs in Carolina. Yep. You had a couple extra points that you would like back. What's kind of just the experience been and how have you been able to kind of stay steady through it? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's the same as college for me. Like, you kind of have to just stay level-headed. You can't let it be a roller coaster because stuff's going to happen. Um, obviously, I'd like those back, but um, you live and you learn and you move on. Um, was it anything technical on those extra points, or it, was it just? I think honestly, I've looked back at it. Um, it reminds me of my freshman year of college. I had a couple PATs I missed, and it was really um, not about like being nervous. It's not about technical. It ends up being technical, but it's more about me locking in mentally. Um, a lot of times with PATs, you feel like you have to make them, um, and they should just be gimmies, and you go out there and you kind of just space out, and it turns into just kind of airhead moment, and you're like, what just happened? Yeah. And then, like, on field goals, it's not the same because you lock in and you focus. So it's, what I've really focused on this week is, like, no matter what, if I'm warming up, if I'm kicking the net, or if I'm actually with the team in a live rep, every rep I'm going through the same mental checklist that I go through, just making sure I'm locked back in. And, Kate, you've experienced Cleveland weather. Yep. It can be 91 day, 55 the next. What has that adjustment been like from you? Because you're in the south, Louisiana, great weather, humidity. I love it, all that and this. But now you're in a situation where it's about to get cold. Yeah. Um, for me, it's not even the only, like, real big factor about Cleveland is really the wind. Uh-huh. Um, the cold, yeah, the ball won't go as far, but that's like that for everybody. 
The only difference about Cleveland is it really gets it gets windy in that stadium. And I definitely got a taste of it last Thursday, and I honestly felt like I was able to figure it out during warm-ups, um, and I had a really great warm-up. Yeah, something happened, and I missed one in the game, but just got to go back and live and learn, and mm-hmm. like I said, lock in mentally better. And you hit the field goals, though. That's always important. How nice is it to be going to a dome where the environment is completely controlled? And I imagine you had to have kicked there with LSU, right? Yep. SEC championship. So, and for one, any good memories there? And two, how nice is it to be in a dome? I mean, I've actually always enjoyed kicking outside more than kicking indoors. Okay. Yes, it's controlled, but also, like, the ball goes further outside just because it's open air. Um, yes, it'll be nice just – can kick the same both directions. You just give them a yard line, and it's the same no matter what. Um, and, it, yeah, it's nice to not have to worry about the win, but also don't mind it. So does that make Justin Tucker's 66-yarder that was in a dome more impressive to you than if it were outside? Because as a non-kicker, I would have thought the exact opposite. So it goes both ways. It's impressive that he hit it that far, but it's also it was dead straight because there was no win. So it goes both ways. Um it's probably easier to hit it that far outside, but it's harder to keep it that straight outside. So there's give and take. Nice. No Kate. matter what, it's impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it certainly is, as was your game winner in Carolina. Thanks for coming out tonight. Obviously, you saw the big turnout for you. Browns fans love you and excited to see you make some more big kicks for this team. Thanks for spending some time with us, and good luck on Sunday of against course. Falcons. Thank you all. All right, the great Cade York. When we come back, we will be wrapping things up. Sad time flies when you're having fun here at Slim and Chubby's in Strongsville. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry. Final thoughts next on the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. All right, we are back. Slim and Chubbies, what a time. Brought to you by Bud Light. It is the Kevin Stefanski Show. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry are on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. And Gerard, it is time for something we like to do every single day, a little stock up and step up for this Browns team, getting ready to go down to Atlanta. But before we get to that, I want fans to mark their calendars for face-off on the lake, presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February the 18th, the Ohio State Buckeyes will host the Michigan Wolverines. Tickets are now on sale starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. All right, stock up and step up here, Gerard. Whose stock is up? Nathan, I have a two-for-one for you. Stock up, and he's a step up. Jacob Phillips. Stock is up. He was pivotal last week in the success that we had in the second half with our defensive unit. And this week, he's definitely going to have to step up because Anthony Walker, the emotional defensive leader, captain yep. of the squad, is no longer in uniform for us. He's on IR, as we spoke about earlier. And it's going to be pivotal that he plays a part in bringing a physical approach because Cordell Patterson running downhill is a beast, and he's going to have to outmatch that, out-physical that, and also at the same time be responsible for what? Getting guys aligning and doing their right assignments as well. So he has a huge day ahead of him on Sunday. He does. I like that for me. I'm going to say the stock is up of the Chief. Let's continue to use them. They've got two new starting linebackers in the middle there. They are both thumpers. Neither one of them really a coverage guy, although uh, they've had a little bit of success with Michael Walker so far. Rashawn Evans, though, certainly not a cover guy. And Step up. 
anybody who's playing on that defensive line that's not one of Great the point. guys, Gerard. We need to generate pressure. We need to get to Marcus Mariota and try to affect him in that game. This has been a blast. we got to thank each and every one of you for coming out tonight. Big thanks to Cade York, the Browns kicker, for coming out tonight as well. Huge thank you to the Slim and Chubby's crew for hosting us, our great friends at Bud Light as well. Don't forget, 9 a.m., that's what everything gets going on Sunday, all along the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network, getting you ready for the Browns and the Falcons. Browns 2-1, and one, looking to get to 3-1 and one on the season. For Gerard Cherry, I am Nathan Zagura. want to thank our great team, our engineer, Andy Roth, our coordinating producer, Meredith Kane, and, of course, our producer, Jason Gibbs. And thanks to all of you for listening to another edition of the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.